Welcome back to another Edge God In podcast. Thank you for pushing the pause button today to Edge God In to your mind, your will, and those crazy emotions. <laughs> Perhaps you've been hijacked a little this week by a strong emotion that has gone from dormant to live simply by a trigger, which is something that moves you into a certain behavior. And sometimes those triggers are good triggers and we're catapulted into positive emotions. And then all too often we have those triggers that shoot us into the realm of negative emotions. When that happens, it's not a fun place. And we only have three reactive responses, fight, flight, and freeze. As I'll often say, this is a job for Jesus because <laughs> those emotions get crazy. And perhaps you're noticing that around you. No shocker, my friends, no shocker. As Jesus said, when wickedness is increasing, this is a sign, sign of the times, when offense is increasing, when hatred is increasing, when good is seen as evil, evil seen as good. Prepare yourself, stand firm, keep watch. Couple podcasts before this one, I recorded a podcast entitled Jesus is Coming Back. Are you ready? So, this is a continuation conversation around that topic. The topic for today is entitled Know Your Adversary and Train Up. The learning objective for today, at the end of this podcast, it is our intention that you will learn some actions, some important actions needed for success against the devil's attacks. As darkness increases, which we are noticing around us, learn the strategy for victory in Christ. That is our focus today, my friends at Edge God In Podcast. We are becoming the voice of the Emotional Intelligence in Christ Project. You can visit the Emotional Intelligence in Christ Project to see what we've got going on there, to see if you're moved to join the tribe at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. We have a course, a book, a workshop, and we are currently working on a six-week Bible study. And that's that's to be followed up by God's grace by a certification program in that area. For such a time as this, our emotions are running rampant and Satan's in the corner just, yay, I caught another one today. Don't let it be you. Edge got in, we have a mission statement to champion your human potential in Christ. You could visit our main website at edgegodin.com. You'll find a one sheet to capture your learnings there. And it is structured in such a way based on how adults learn, how our minds actually capture information, transfer it, and make it sustainable. So feel free, have at it to uh, download that one sheet at edgegodin.com to capture your learnings for today. If you're listening to us on the, on the go, welcome. We're glad to have you. Perhaps there's something in today's podcast that will cause you to pause and want to re-listen, take some notes, transfer it into your behavior. Either way, God is in charge. Holy Spirit, I come to you today and I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart will be acceptable in your sight for the edification of everyone who's tuning into today. 
that you would guide me to speak the words needed for their hearts to wake up, soften, draw near, and allow you to transform them in beautiful ways according to your good works and purposes that you have prepared in advance for them to do. Thank you as darkness increases that you have overcome the darkness and you are seated at the right hand of the Father. You are preparing a place for us and will come back and get us. Help us to be ready, Lord. Make us attentive. Give us the grace to pursue the oil in our lamps so that when the bridegroom comes at the darkest time of the night, midnight, that we will be ready to enter in and not be left outside as the door shuts, similar to the time of Noah. Wake us up, Lord. Give us the grace to stand firm, to put on the full armor so that we would be able to resist the triggers around us, protect our hearts from growing cold. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have your Bibles, and again, at edgegodin.com with each of the podcasts, you'll notice that the readings are posted with that podcast. This is intentional because there are many groups that have actually grabbed these podcasts several at a time and stretched them out to a three-week study, four-week study in a specific topic. Feel free to do the same. You will find the scriptures as well as the one sheet um, that you can use to do so and create small group studies based on these specific podcasts. Let's begin in Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 19. This is my probably, and I, I know if you've been listening to our podcast, I say this quite often because I absolutely love the scriptures. This for real <laughs> is probably some of my favorite scriptures because it reveals to us how to train up. I've often shared my experiences as a going through my training in the world Taekwondo for world Taekwondo and by God's grace, achieving a couple black belts. One of the theories or strategies for success in the ring came in our training, training up outside the ring. And I'll often refer to that metaphorically for the spiritual battle that we're finding ourselves in these days. In order to be successful in the ring, we've got to train up outside of the ring. One of the things that we do when we want to be successful in the ring is to truly imagine what some of the moves of the adversary might be, and then craft very strategically specific counter moves in order to be successful when the adversary comes towards you or your opponent comes towards you. And you imagine these possible moves that your adversary might make visually, and then you practice them in what is referred to as sparring. And I would come home sometimes with bruises all over my body because I didn't capture the best strategy to avoid an attack from my adversary or a, a um, well-executed move in the ring. I learned quickly, though, as, as to avoid the bruising and the hits, I learned very quickly the moves, the direction that I needed to move in when my opponent would move a certain way. I, if they were to come to the right, I knew to step sideways and to the left to be able to find an opening to get a point. 
to move forward successfully. So we're taking that metaphor today of training outside the ring, learning about our adversary, our opponent. What are the moves of the devil? What are some of the obvious moves of the devil? The one that we're going to really focus today on is that he, he tends to be the great deceiver. You've often heard me speak about this. He uses trickery. Look over here, and then I'm going to pop you with an uppercut. Um, people use that in the ring as well. I, I was knocked out at one point by um, a strategy similar to that. It was kind of deceptive. It was an illegal move. And I was looking one way, and then my opponent came up with a quick back hook kick to my head and knocked me flat to the mat. And as I was focusing on something else, rather than focusing on the move of my opponent, that one second of distraction led to the knockout. So what is distracting you today? That perhaps is setting you up for a knockout. Whenever we focus on the things of the world, those shiny objects, what people think of me, what people don't think of me, uh, what I want, what I don't get, the disappointment we feel when we feel that God's not answering our prayers, looking and identifying with the things in the near field, which is the field right outside of you versus the personal field, which is what is going on in your interior castle. St. Teresa of Avila. Stay in the castle, my friends. Pull up the drawbridge. Stop allowing people to tromp in and out with muddy boots on and knocking you out by their words, by what you see in the remote field, which is the news, you're giving it so much power that you are rising and falling depending upon what's going on in the near field and the remote field. That's people in your lives, the immediate circles, extended out to the remote field, news, events of the world. Resist the urge to get hijacked and stay inside the castle. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. This is a job for Jesus. It is getting pretty dark out there. So strategy one is get to know your adversary. What do we know? Let's take a, a little look before we jump into Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 19 is the strategy. Let's learn a little bit about our adversary. So he is the great deceiver. How long has this been going on? Let's turn back to the first book of the Bible. And I'm, I've got my big fat Bible that I got from Coach Dan Stavely my sophomore year in college, accepted Christ the year before I went to college. And I didn't know anything about the scriptures, but one thing I did learn very quickly is I fell in love with the truth. Genesis chapter three, verse one. This chapter is entitled The Fall of Man. We're experiencing the ramifications today more than ever as a result of this one chapter. If you haven't read Genesis chapter three, definitely a good one to bring before the Lord. Chapter three. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree? 
any tree in the garden. So understand here that he's already deceiving. He's the great deceiver. We know that to be true. And we'll take a little deeper dive into the definition of what does it mean to deceive? How do you know when you're being deceived? This is an example of deception. God didn't say any tree. God said one tree. You can eat of anything but this one tree. So right off the get-go, he's in a posturing and a dialogue of deceit. He's, he, he's the great spin doctor. Look over here, and then you're knocked out by an illegal move on the mat. Be attentive. As we learned in Jesus is Coming Back, Are You Ready? podcast. Stand firm. Keep watch. The trickery of the devil comes faster than any unexpected hook kick in the ring. And before you know it, you're knocked out. He's doing it right here to Eve. Did God really say? So he's questioning God. You must not eat from any tree in the garden? No, he said one tree. So right there, he's lying. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, so good for her. She's remembering what God said. You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. And you must not touch it or you will die. You will surely not die. So again, he's coming back. He usually, he can't create anything, my friends. So he must take what's already there and he twists it. He deceives trickery for his own advantage. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good from evil. So right away, he starts to move into the zone of pride, the fear of missing out fear of being overlooked, undercut, sort of speak. Quick coaching question. How do you react or respond when someone gets something that you wanted? This is where you will see that innate prideful nature go from dormant to live, usually manifest in jealousy, envy, frustration, a bad mood, that dark cloud. I didn't get what I wanted. We're adults. So perhaps, I mean, these days we're seeing a lot of like three-year-old temper tantrums that are ending in, in horrific situations. People are acting out their anger in horrific ways in adult bodies. I remember learning in my undergrad in, in um, psychology, child psychology, the development of uh, a child at three years old when they're having the temp temper tantrums as we refer to them, and that's the desire for independence. It's repeated in, it's repeated throughout life in different, different ramifications. It's repeated often in teenage years. It can be very destructive, and it can be repeated oftentimes in a, what we refer to as a midlife crisis. Right? It's all linked to one thing: an identity crisis. Who am I? Who am I in relationship to you? And how do I maintain my independence? Now, if we seek our identity apart from God, pride leads the way. And the scriptures say before a fall happens, pride is leading the way. Pride goes before a fall. God continually, continually gives grace to the humble. So right away, out of the chute, the serpent's just jumping right into that pride zone. 
and he's he's capturing Eve. No, no, no. He didn't say that. It just means you'll be given more power, right? You'll be like God. So that's tempting. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. My friends, we were hijacked by what we see with our eye. How many likes do I have? How does this make me feel when I watch this? Our emotions and what we see through our eye, hear through our ears, which is why Jesus says, though they have eyes they don't see, ears they don't hear, and a heart, it doesn't respond, it's turned cold. Otherwise, they would turn, see, hear, turn, and I would heal them. So there's a connection between your eyes, your ears, and your heart. Be very, very careful at becoming desensitized by watching things that do not honor God. Ask the Holy Spirit to bump you. He did that to me the other day. I just simply heard, you don't need to be watching that. Done. Walk away. Wipe the dust off your feet. Respond quicker today than yesterday. Be attentive. Keep watch. So the serpent is deceiving Eve flat out right here. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for the food, good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. So here she's actually tuned into three different sins of the flesh. Gluttony. Passion uncensored and greed. I want more. She took some and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes, then their eyes were open and they realized, isn't it interesting? The first thing that happened after they did that wasn't a positive, my friends. It was a negative. They realized they were naked. So then they had to start working right away backfired. And that's the trickery of the devil. He, he guides us one way. Hey, look over here. And then quickly does the illegal move that ends up knocking us to the mat quickly followed by shame and guilt, and then keeps us in condemnation. Whenever your peace is stolen. And this is in another podcast. If you, if you want to move in deeper on this one, what is, what is the number one uh, tool that Satan uses for spiritual combat. The number one tool Satan uses for spiritual combat is he steals your peace. Anytime that your peace is stolen, know who is at work and come back as quickly as possible. Lean in to the power of Christ and his presence and his love for you. He adores you. I don't care where you're coming from today, what you're involved in, what's hit you in the past, what you're mucking around in, it's an opportunity to begin again, my friend. Begin again, even if it's a hundred times a day. The one who calls you is faithful and who will give you the strength to begin again. I'll often ask clients, what feels lighter to you, this choice or that choice? Well, this one feels lighter because then I get what I want. Okay. When you get what you want, what happens then? What characters developed in that situation? What's the bigger game here? Are you playing the finite game of life or the infinite game of life? We have choices every day. So we know about Satan is that right off the bat, he's going for moving from a place of pride and deception. Nothing new. <laughs> he's, there's, there's no new trickery. 
So we know this about our adversary. He's been doing this. He's been doing this since the garden, as I'll often say. This is nothing new, what he's doing right now. He's using trickery. He's using deception. Good is seen as evil. Evil seen as good. He's using deception around identity. No, that's not who you are. This is who you are. Choose who you want to be. He's using trickery around identity. Trickery around position, power, popularity. You name it. Comes back to that trickery. Did God really say that? No, this is what you really want. Go for this. Be careful. So in Matthew 24, 11, and this is pulling from the podcast, just a couple one couple podcasts before this one, Jesus is coming back. Are you ready? Matthew 24, 11. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. At that time, what time is he talking about? This time, things are getting dark. People will turn away from the faith. Are you noticing that around you in the world today? They'll betray and hate each other. Are you noticing betrayal, deception? They'll betray each other, and many false prophets will appear and deceive many. Deception. You'll see the word deceive, deception throughout much of the scriptures because it's a tactic of the devil. What is deception? Again, know your adversary. Know what he uses to trick you to get you to stumble. The definition of deceive is someone who causes someone to believe something that's not true. Typically, and this is an important piece of the definition, in order to gain personal advantage, that was our goal, training up. Gain personal advantage in the ring. Now, nothing wrong with that. Where the conflict comes in is whose team are you playing on? The darkness or the light? And when you do dabble in the darkness, how quickly can you get back to the light, the love of God for you? Love restores, renews, and saves. Judgment, hatred, discord, envy, jealousy, tear apart, separate, deceive, twist, hijack. It's sly, wily, gains advantage deceitfully. One of the basic moves in Taekwondo, because I um, trained up people for a while, I did it for about 20 years and, and became an instructor in it as well, is the simple move of block, punch, kick. That's one of the first moves after just the basics. Block, punch, kick. You block to make room for forward momentum. When you're in the ring, you are consciously looking for an opportunity to create that space to move forward successfully. Now in Taekwondo, it's to get the point, right? To get yourself in there. With your with your fist or with your foot, you want to tag that. You want to tag that circle, that target point. For us, Paul makes it very clear: we're not battling against flesh and blood, but the spiritual forces of evil that are waging war against our soul. Our target, our eyes, are to be fixed on Jesus. We are running the race. 
Don't look at somebody else's lane or you will trip up in your own. Keep your eyes firmly fixed so that you are not deceived by an illegal move coming in on your life. As Paul says, sin doesn't just happen. It happens with a glance, then a pondering, then kind of a hoarding or fixation or meditating upon. And then that gives birth to behavior, gives birth to sin. So keep watch, keep your eyes fixed because those illegal moves can come in so fast and, and catapult you to the mat so quickly. You don't even know what hits you. Block, punch, kick. What do we block with? We block with the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Punching means a forward momentum forward, right? To move through evil, declaring the word of God, having the armor on. And the kicking is a forward movement, right? To get a point, to move forward in a successful direction. That all comes from being armored up. So remember that deception is huge. And it's, and it's, um, and it's also um, uh, another way of uh, present, presentation was in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, where it says that uh, he was crafty, right? The serpent was crafty. What does that mean? It means the definition, King James Version Dictionary, definition is cunning or artful, skillful in devising and pursuing a scheme. He's always scheming against you, my friend, and me. He knows your weak points. I wasn't good at certain kicks, and I was excellent at others. So my opponent would figure that out pretty quickly and try to take advantage of my weakness, right? My victory came in being confident at the strength that I did have and the skills that I did have and looking for strategic opportunities to use my strengths that God had given me and that I had practiced. Metaphorically, that holds true in spiritual warfare. We have a skill set. We have a defense strategy. This is an invitation to put that into action down to every word. So crafty, Satan was crafty as it's, as it's said that the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. So he was more skillful in devising and pursuing a scheme against you by deceiving others. He deceived Adam and Eve. He's doing the same thing today by taking advantage of their ignorance uh, no, God didn't really say that. He said this. Perhaps that comes to you. Um, well, I don't know. This is just one time I can see this. I know that I'm strong inside. I can, you know, stand against it. Watch out for compromise. Now is not the time to compromise because the darkness is increasing daily. So in their ignorance, so someone who's crafty, he was the most crafty of all the animals that he'd created, right? Um, that means that he, knew, he knows how to take advantage of our ignorance. Your solution to that? Don't be ignorant. Wake up, stand firm, as Jesus says. Study the scriptures. Know what God says. Read Matthew chapter 24, 25. If you're new to the scriptures, read the gospel of John first-hand account of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So he takes advantage of our ignorance. He's fraudulent. 
Do you notice any fraudulent behavior that's occurring in our societies today, people around you, your own life? Ask the Holy Spirit to convict you of any fraudulent statement. That means, hey, try this. And it's really that. It's deception. It's taking advantage of ignorance. Craft, to be crafty means to be sly or wily, right? What does wily mean? It means skilled at gaining an advantage, especially deceitfully. So the common thread that we know about our adversary is that he is deception. In the end times, deception will increase. Satan's trickery is descending rapidly, and people are buying it. They're picking up what he's putting down left and right. Don't let that be you. We'll end with the with the armoring up. So we know this about our, our adversary, trickery, deception, wily, sly, taking advantage of your ignorance. The solution, don't be ignorant. Know what's going on here. Realize it's a spiritual battle. It's waging war against you. Listen to what Jesus said in, in uh, John chapter or Matthew chapter 24 and 25. He said two things consistently. One in particular, wake up stand firm. We're going to continue that conversation. It's interesting that in the book of Matthew, the gospel of Matthew, I believe stand firm is declared four times in just two chapters. Jesus is declaring it. Paul continues this narrative in Ephesians chapter 6, 10, 19. He says stand firm three times when he's talking about armoring up. That's something we should listen to and lean into that is beneficial for us to lean into. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, finally, be strong. Notice the action words here as I'm declaring these scriptures. Jesus is all about action. Stand firm, wake up, overcome, all action. Ephesians 6, 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. This is a job for Jesus, my friends. <laughs> the cool thing is, is he's in the ring with us. He's within us. He's around us. He's moving us into victory. Cool little side note about that I'm learning um, about um, victory is that the kings would sit on the throne as a sign of victory in a battle, that they've won the battle. Does that ring a bell to you? They would sit on their throne after the battle had been won. Jesus takes his seat at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. He has taken his seat. What does that mean? The battle, the victory has been won. That is a sign of victory. The victory has been won. He has taken a seat at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. That's our time to be attentive. The victory has been won, though. We must remember that. That's important in the battle, that God has already overcome all that we feel has overcome us, that, that the victory over death has been won by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. His blood is enough. 
Anytime I muck around in shame after I've asked for forgiveness for something, I literally feel the Holy Spirit say, don't muck around in shame. Increase your confidence in the blood of the Lamb. Increase your confidence. Peter didn't take his life. Judas did. Judas died in shame and regret. Peter felt phenomenal regret and shame, I'm sure, and yet had more confidence in the love of Christ than he did in the fall. So remember that seat that Christ sits upon. Victory has been won. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. He's overcome death. He offers the way. He's the passage. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though he dies. Do you believe this? He asked Martha. Yes, Lord, I do believe. What do you say today? The belief will give you the ability to stand firm in the strength of the Lord. Another verse to remember along with this as you're reading through Ephesians chapter 6, 10 through 19 is Zechariah 4, 6. I had this on a poster board when I was going through advanced cancer and divorce because I'd come to the end of myself physically, emotionally, and spiritually speaking. I would declare this verse, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Whatever he calls you to, and this is what we're called to from Paul's perspective, put on the full armor of God, verse 11, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. What did Jesus say about wickedness? In the heavenly places, he gives us that heads up in chapter 24 when he says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Stand firm. Jesus mentions the wickedness. Paul mentions the wickedness to the Ephesians. Now, they were very spiritual, by the way. They believed. It's not like they didn't believe. They believed in false gods. So Paul was trying to get, get them um, to consider truth and to give them a way, really a strategy, to have action needed to be, to be successful in the spiritual ring, to know truth from falsehood. And he says the battle isn't against flesh and blood, which it isn't. It's against the rulers, the powers, against the world forces. Know your adversaries, your adversary of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness. There's that word again. Same word Jesus uses in Matthew 24, 11, Matthew 24, 10. The wickedness will increase, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Actually, it's Matthew 24, 12. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Stand firm, my brothers and sisters, against resentment, hatred, anger, from what you're seeing with your eyes. 
Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus, I trust in you. Even though that's horrific, I have confidence that you will take care of it. Even though that's clearly a lie, Lord, and not truth. Jesus, I trust in you. You take care of everything. And you show me the role you want me to play from a place of love. Because we know that love has already triumphed. And I don't want to lose my way, Lord. I don't want my heart to be hardened because of the wickedness and the love that you placed within it to grow cold. Keep it warm, Lord. Keep it warm. Verse 13, therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and have done everything to stand firm. There, stand firm again. Second time in two, three verses. Put on the full armor of God, verse 11, so that you... So that there's always a, so that put on the full armor of God, so that you can stand firm. You got to put on the full armor of God. We're about to learn what the full armor of God is. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand firm. Verse 13, therefore take up the full armor of God. So he's, he's really driving home this armor of God so that you will be able to resist. So the armor of God allows us to stand firm. It also gives us the ability to resist in the evil day. And having done everything, stand firm. So not only does the armor of God help us to stand firm, it helps us to resist in the day of evil. We are in the day of evil. And it's increasing. Again, in verse 14, third time, stand firm. Therefore, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So he's getting into the dissertation about what are the pieces that make up the armor. First piece is the breastplate breastplate of righteousness, giving the ability to stand firm against the evil attacks of the forces, the powers, and the rulers of darkness. Having your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, read the scriptures, pursue love and righteousness. That's the, in the scripture as well. Pursue love and righteousness, and all will go well with you, even in death. Pursue love and righteousness, right standing with God. You just be committed to that more than anything as a breastplate. Why is it a breastplate? It guards your heart. Guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life. So wear that breastplate of righteousness, a determined, a fixed state of mind to do what God wants you to do. How do you know what God wants you to do? Read the scriptures. If you're new to the scriptures, start with the gospel of John. Watch Jesus. Listen to Jesus. See how he moved, the words he used, what he invited us to do. Don't focus on that. Focus on this. He gave us great guidance. Having your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Know the gospels. Know the word. And in addition to all, take up the shield of faith. What did Jesus continually do and point out as he walked the earth? Faith. Wow, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all the land, he said at one point. Your faith has made you well. Faith, faith, faith. Jesus paused. It stopped him in his tracks. Can you imagine hearing him say that to you? Wow, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of the land. Lord, may it be so with us. Give us that kind of faith. That in spite of how dark it's getting out there, that we have faith that you are seated at the right hand of the Father, and you will come again to judge the living and the dead and your kingdom will have no end. Give us the faith 
to know that you have already won the victory and help our hearts not to grow cold. And the helmet. So we have the shield of faith so that we will be able to extinguish all, not some, all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the flaming arrow of envy, the flaming arrow of jealousy, the flaming arrow of comparison, the flaming arrow of the drug of approval, the fear of missing out, the fear of being overlooked, the fear of being unloved, the fear of not being respected, the fear of being misunderstood. What is it for you? All, all the arrows. When you take up the shield of faith, my friends, that's why if you have any prayer, may it be, dear God, increase my faith in your victory today. So that no matter what I see, hear, experience, feel, anything in my earthly tent that I live in, that you would remind my mind that you have already won the battle so that I can maintain peace so that you can do a mighty work through my life and I can outshine the darkness and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert, similar to what Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 25, wake up, stand firm, be attentive, watch, keep watch, keep watch. With this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints and pray, 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 pray without ceasing, as Paul says. Pray in all circumstances, whether things are going good for you or whether things aren't. Lord, I don't understand why this is happening right now in my life. I have no understanding of this. I have no idea why this is happening. And I pray for the grace of faith. So the deep, deep down, I know that you are accomplishing an ultimate good than had this not even happened. Help me to believe in the rose in the midst of the thorns, the rainbow in the midst of the storm. Give me the grace of faith. So your practice is to simply read through Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 19, and circle all of the action words in there. Also, remember Matthew chapter 24 and 25, stand firm, take up the shield, be strong. These are all commands. These are all invitations for action. And circle the one piece of the armor that you feel you want the most of in your life, whether or not it's the shield of faith, whether or not it's the sword of the spirit, the word of God, lean into these scriptures and pray them into your life. Ask the Holy Spirit where he wants you to camp so that you can be vigilant, sober, as 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9 says, be sober, be vigilant, your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking out who he may devour. Resist. Stand firm. He's, Peter says this as well. Paul says this as well. Jesus says this as well. Stand firm in faith, knowing that your brothers and sisters around the world are undergoing the same kind of afflictions. You're not alone, my friends. 
we're in this together as followers of Christ. And if you're just tuning in and you're kind of on the sidelines and you're like, well, what is this edge got in? I know what I'm doing isn't working. So I'm curious what might work for me here. Jesus loves you. He's after you. He loves you right where you're at. And he died to set you free from all that's burdening you. All the trinkets in the near field, the trickery in the near field. He's calling you back inside the castle. Pull up the drawbridge. Sit with him for a while. Invite him into your heart and your life. Jesus, I thought I knew how to do this, but it is not working out for me. And I've come to the end of myself. So I give you permission to override my ego, my tendency to edge you out of everything that I'm doing because I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I won't be able to handle things if I don't get my way. Help me to remember what you taught, what you invited me to do, to not be anxious about anything, to take up my cross and follow you. Yes, there will be trouble in this world, but you have overcome and victory is yours as you are seated at the right hand of the father and you will come to judge the living and the dead. So I pray, Lord, that my colors are clear for you. My voice speaks of your glory. My face reflects the time I've spent with you. My actions can mirror the same actions that you took in compassion with everyone you encountered as you walk the earth. Give us wisdom, Lord. Save our soul. We surrender all that we are to you, and we pray for the armor of God, the armor that can help us to stand firm, the armor that can give us the grace to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Help us to be on the alert, to persevere, and to pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Give him heaven out there. There's enough of the dark side going on and visit us at edgegodin.com or check out the Emotional Intelligence in Christ project at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. We actually have a freedom celebration, um, summer celebration discount going on for the course right now. Emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. Enjoy your gift of life.